Praise the Lord. I'm going to direct your attention to the book of Psalms. We're going to go to Psalm 115. Praise the Lord. Trust everyone is blessed in the name of the Lord. Thankful for His goodness and mercy. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Psalm 115, verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. I love that verse. God just does what he wants to do. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They make them, they that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. You are blessed of the Lord, which hath made heaven and earth. Heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Tonight, with the help of the Lord, I want to uh, teach for just a little while on this thought and title, the only one of an only kind. The only one of an only kind kind. Lord Jesus, thank you tonight for this opportunity. You are the living word. And now I pray that you would preach the written word through me, causing my tongue to be the pen of a ready writer. Open our understanding that we might comprehend scripture, cause every hindrance to be bound, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We pray it in the name of Jesus. And would you say amen? Lacking an inscription or anything specific within its 18 verses, scholars struggle to place Psalm 115 historically. Some scholars suggest that it was after Judah had returned from captivity. Others suggest that it was a hymn that was around the time during any number of the evil kings who worshipped false idols instead of the one true God. But regardless of where Psalm 115 belongs historically, one thing is certain. It serves to glorify the only one of an only kind by revealing that God is invincible, incomparable, infallible, and incorruptible. In a world that continues its sick and sad trajectory of sin, Psalm 115 stands as a beacon of light in an otherwise dark world. The answer to the godlessness that permeates our society is Jesus Christ and His church. Hallelujah. 
In a world that does not know or does not recognize God, the answer is for the church to rise up who knows Him, who believes in Him, and will reveal Him daily. So like Elijah tonight, I stand before you and ask, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. And let the God that answereth by fire, let Him be God. Amen. God inspired the 115th psalmist to reveal the ineptitude of false gods. In fact, one of the main themes of this psalm contrasts the weakness of idols with the worthiness of the one true God. So let's break it down. Verses 1 through 3 reveal to us that God is invincible. This means too powerful to be defeated or overcome. Notice how the psalmist opens it. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Right out of the gate, he's letting us know that any success we have, any blessing we have, only comes because of the name of God and the glory that's due that name. He also connects the name of God to his mercy and his truth, two key attributes that you see spread across many other psalms about his mercy and his truth. Amen? Amen. The psalmist, to him and for him in his day, the highest name of God would have been Yahweh, or we would say I am, possibly, or even maybe Jehovah. But we who are on this side of Calvary know that Yahweh became Yeshua, and therefore to us the highest name is now Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And so when we read this psalm, it's, it's not just declaring that Yahweh, amen, but that Jesus, hallelujah, is that highest name. This is why we can read in Philippians that God hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. Can I just pause and tell you that the name of Jesus is higher than any name and every, and I don't just mean our names. I mean the name of a virus. I mean the name of a political party. I mean the name of everything. The name of Jesus is higher. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow uh, of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. Hallelujah. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is why we're told in the New Testament, that everything we do is to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3, 17, And whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. I remember in 2019 when I was in the Gambia, Africa, and we were teaching that apostolic conference, Brother Sully and I, one of the questions that we posed, I had taught a lesson and then Brother Sully got up. and He began to ask, he said, how many of you pastors pray for people 
And you pray in the name of Jesus and they all raise their hand. How many of you pastors will bless your meal in the name of Jesus and they all raise their hand? How many of you pastors will pray over the message you're going to preach and you pray in the name of Jesus and they all raise their hands? He said, then pray tell why are you baptizing in any other name than the name of Jesus? And the reality began to shock them and they realized, wait a minute, you're right. Every one of them committed and went home and baptized their congregations in the name of Jesus. This is why God anointed Peter to preach, proving that he was indeed the cornerstone and that it is Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 10, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at not of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's the only one worthy of the highest praise. He's the only one worthy of the deepest worship. Amen. And his name is the holiest name that we can utter. Praise God. And after this, there must have been something going on in the psalmist's life. There must have been something happening that precipitated what he wrote next. Now, I know it's under the inspiration of God, but God would use real-time events and have those authors write, or those writers, excuse me, he's the author, have those writers write uh, uh, related to those current events. And so the question from the heathen is, where is now their God? That's what the heathen asks. But, but the answer is, he has done whatsoever he has pleased. I'm telling you, it just, it, when I read it, I'm like, hmm, well, he's God. He can do that. See, God has this thing about being God. He, he likes it. He's the only one worthy of it. You know, he don't like anybody else trying to take his place. In fact, that's why he says there's none beside me. I'm God alone. Hallelujah. None before him, none after him. He stands alone. That's why my title, the only one of an only kind. He, he's, you and I are one of a kind. We're all homo sapiens here tonight. We're one of a kind. All of the men here uh, are even further connected to me in that we're, we're males. We're one of a kind. But he's the only one of an only kind. There, you know, people say, well, you know, what happened before Genesis 1? Well, God, that's what happened. He was there. I don't need to know any other thing than he was there. You know, he's from everlasting to everlasting. How, how do you explain that? What mathematical equation do you come up with to say, okay, this is how that's explained? You don't, you can't. Amen? So, verse 2, though, may be the closest that we can come to possibly dating the psalm. It's possible that it's right on the heels of them being delivered from Babylonian captivity. And maybe the arrogance of the Babylonians who have, have captured them. And maybe it's them who are saying, where's your God now? Maybe that's what it is. We don't really know for sure. It could also just refer to a time when Israel was taunted by pagan nations whenever God would judge them, such as in the wilderness with their unbelief. 
And the reason I'm stretching all the way back to that is we know Moses wrote a psalm or two. So there, there could, be, it could be any number of places within the history of Israel. It could be when they were defeated at Ai because of Achan's uh, uh, hidden sin. It could be any kind of defeat uh, in which a, a wicked king caused them. So again, regardless of its place in history, one thing is certain. The people of God are still taunted today by those who hate God. The psalmist's answer to the snide remark of the pagans proved that God is unequaled, unrivaled, and unstopped. God will never abdicate His throne. He does whatever He pleases. Let the scoffers scoff. Let the mockers mock. Let the haters hate. God does whatever He pleases. And by the way, God will have the last laugh. In Psalm chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, He that setteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall laugh at them in derision. Then shall He speak unto them in His wrath and vex them in His sore displeasure. Let me tell you something. I never want to be on that side of God and His judgment. Amen. I want to be submitted to Him. I want to be labeled and marked by Him. I want to stay full of His Spirit. I want to be corrected and rebuked on this side of glory where I can deal with it. I never want to be on the place where God laughs at me in derision and then vexes me in His sore displeasure. Mm. See, Jesus Christ is invincible. He's too powerful to be defeated or overcome. He's the only one of an only kind. The second set of verses, verses 4 through 8, declare to us that God is incomparable. Here we have verses 4 through 8 speaking about the ineptitude of idols. The word incomparable means without an equal in quality or extent, matchless, unable to be compared, totally different in nature or extent. The psalmist explains how vain and void idols really are. Regardless of how ornate they may be, at the end of the day, he says in verse 4, they are the work of men's hands. When Jeremiah talked about it, he said they cut a tree, they bring it in, they deck it up, they fix it, and, and then they call it an idol and they say, you know, God did this. No, God didn't. Your hands did it. They're the ones that cut it down. They're the ones that fashion it, and then they worship it. By the way, the scraps they throw into the fire. It's like, wait a minute, are, are you missing the logic here? And for the next four verses... God authors words proving that He alone is God, that He alone is incomparable. And yet, you know, sometimes we skip over such places. We think that, well, we don't have a statue. We don't have some other kind of inanimate object in our home or church. And so such verses really don't apply to us. We can skip over that and go to the next patch. You see, the definition of an idol is the worship, if anything, as though it were God. Therefore, anything that takes the focus off God or unseats God from being first in our lives is an idol, even if it's something good. 
Let me explain. The Bible says that if a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Shannon, you're a good thing. However, if I begin to place her before God, and I value our relationship more than I do the relationship with God, I've just made a good thing an idol. The Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, to them their practice and their interpretation of the law of Moses eventually became their idol. We are to guard this word. We are to protect it. In fact, the word keep, you know, keep his commandments, right? The word keep in part means to guard. However, here's what, what Israel did. They built up such strong fortifications around the Word of God that nobody could get to it, number one. Jesus said, you've shut up the kingdom of heaven, and you yourselves don't even go in. Number two, they begin to worship the very things that protected the Word of God. They begin to worship their temple rather than the one that the temple was referring to or pointing to. The law was good. It was necessary because of sin. But its point was to point people to Jesus Christ. And yet we know they missed it when He came because they were so stuck in their interpretation. They were not willing to open their eyes and see. It's why Isaiah says, eyes they have, but they did not see. Ears they had, but they did not hear. Their hearts were hardened. Because they hardened them. They did not mix the word with faith, Hebrew says. We try to put God in our boxes. And God's like, no thanks. I'm not contained. Solomon says the heaven and the heaven of the heavens cannot contain him. Why do we think we can put him in some sort of ideology? That's idol worship just as much. Thinking that God is a, is a you know, pushover kind of grandpa type that you can get whatever you want out of him, that's an idol. That's not who God is. Neither is he this meanie that wants to beat you up every time you, you do something wrong. That's an idol. See, we think of an idol as something we can see, an object, an inanimate thing, but it's not. And Psalm 115 verse 8 also reveals the high cost of idolatry. It says, They that make them are like unto them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. The idol maker makes the idol, but then the idol begins to shape them. Did you know you can do that with your thoughts? In other words, your thoughts can become idols. Your perceptions can become idols especially if they don't align to Scripture. You have to see yourself the way God sees you. You must identify yourself the way God identifies you. If you're born again, you're made in His image and likeness, reborn in His image and likeness. You're already made in His image and likeness, by the fact that you were born naturally. But when you're born again, you now have, according to 1 Corinthians 15, the nature of the last Adam. And just like you have the nature of the first Adam, which is death and decay and sin, if you've been born again, you also have the eternal nature of the last Adam, which is Christ. And according to Ephesians, you're filled with all the fullness of God. 
You know what that means? That means you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's why we say we are the church. Yes, we're here in a building tonight. Yes, some are watching and joining us online tonight. But we are the church daily wherever we are. Praise God. We have to identify ourselves as ambassadors if we're born again, as royal priests if we're born again. And yes, if we sin, come to Christ. We have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ. Deal with it. Repent. Pick up your, 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 you know, uh, uh, your life again and move on and, and come boldly before the throne of grace to find that help at the time of need. But don't identify yourself by the falling. A just man falls seven times and rises up again. The impetus of that verse is not on the falling, but on the getting back up. That's why the, I believe it was Donnie McClurkin, I don't know if he's the originator of it, but you know, the, the, the famous song, we fall down, but we get up. That's, that's what the essence of that is describing. It's, it's not on the falling, but on the rising up again. And therefore, just as idol worshipers become like the idols that they make and worship, if Christ is who we worship, become like him he's without equal in quality or extent he's matchless he's unable to be compared he's incomparable so why then would I worship a cheap imitation right hallelujah Let's look at the third passage, or the third part of the psalm, verses 9 through 15. And in this, we're going to see that God is infallible. Infallible means incapable of making mistakes or being wrong, never failing, always effective. I think that pretty much describes the only one of an only kind. Trusting in the Lord in this portion nine uh, verses nine through 15 is mentioned three times God being our help and shield is also mentioned three times God's blessings are mentioned five times fearing the Lord is mentioned once and God increasing abundantly is mentioned once and all of this because of verse 7 or 12 excuse me the Lord hath been mindful of us so right in the heart of this the reason that we can trust in Him, the reason He's our help and shield, the reason that He blesses us and increases us abundantly is because He's mindful of us. Hallelujah. That phrase, the Lord hath been mindful of us, is translated by the New Living Translation as the Lord remembers us because the word mindful means to remember or recall or call to mind. Now this doesn't mean God forgets us. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Him or her. Right? If you read about it in, in, in the uh, account of the flood, uh, the global flood in, recorded in Genesis 6, 7, and 8, you, you'll find that God tells Noah to build the ark. He does it. He obeys. He gets in the ark. The flood comes, right? And chapter 8 begins, and the Lord remembered Noah. You know? now, that doesn't mean that God is up in heaven somewhere and he forgot, oh, that's right, I flooded the earth. Oh, man, I knew, I knew I'd left something laying around somewhere. That's not what it means. I mean, I've forgotten some things before, right? I forgot an appointment tonight. I, I got busy doing something else and forgot about it. So that, but that's not what it means here. That's not what God's saying. It's saying 
that since he is infallible, it's that he's being, he already knows what we need. He's recalling to mind, I already know what they need. I'm going I'm to be there for them by the time they get there. So watch this. Before you even ask, God already has the answer. Remember, he's from everlasting to? Not only isn't he, he's the same yesterday. And so not only is he in your past and has redeemed it, and not only is he with you in the present, he's already gone before you. He's already been through what you're going through. And what you're about to ask him for, he's already got the answer. That's what it's saying. He is mindful of us. He's already there. I don't know about you, but that gives me some encouragement. An idol can't do that. An ideology can't do that. False religion can't do that. There's not an ism in the world that can do that, but the only one of an only kind is in my yesterday, my today, and my tomorrow. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's the one who helps and protects. That's what it means by a help and shield. And who does he help and protect? Those who put their trust in him. God's the one who blesses and increases those who reverently worship him. Oftentimes when I think of, of this kind of trust in the Lord, I, re, I recall back to when our children were younger and we would go on a vacation. Not one, I don't remember one time that either of my children asked me if I had made sure that the tires had plenty of air, if the oil had been changed, if there was enough fluids. In, you know, not one time did they say, Dad, is the power steering working okay? Is the GPS working all right? Is everything under, you know, is there enough money in the bank? Is the credit card okay? I didn't get one of those questions. You know what I did get? Are we there yet? Well, almost, buddy, almost. I'm, I'm on page 12 of 17. <laughs> that reminds me one time, Braxton was four, and we were at a funeral. Very first funeral in Caribou, Maine. Shannon, you weren't even there. It was just me and Braxton. And the preacher had just said, let's have a moment of silence to remember our dearly parted here, whatever. And at that moment, Braxton raised up and real loudly says, are we done now? I was like, well, I might be. <laughs> like, trying to hide behind the guy in front of me, but hallelujah. But my kids never wondered if I had taken care. They just trusted that dad knew what he was doing. And when it's time to leave for vacation or go to see, you know, uh, grandma and grandpa or whatever it was, that everything was going to be okay. I remember one time Brooklyn's in the back seat just telling me all about her day, da 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 dee da 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 dee you know, this and that and happened and this and that and the other thing. And I'm driving along and I hit a patch of black ice and I'm like, woo hoo hoo And she just keeps on, didn't one bit work. I didn't even think she knew it until later she's talking to mom and says, oh, by the way, dad hit a patch of ice. You know, we're okay though. That's how I see trust. I mean, I've read this cover to cover numerous times. I've never found a time yet that he failed or lied or forsook. I've looked back on my life of the last 48 years. I can't find a time yet that I've been failed or forsaken or lied to by God. He's got a proven track record. Why would I go after anybody else? Why would I not trust in him? 
He's my help and my shield. Amen. His help, His protection, His blessing, His increase extend also to the next generation. You see, the heathen mocked and scoffed in verse 2, and their idols did nothing for them in verses 4 through 8. But those who trust in the Lord become eternally blessed of the Lord in verse 15. So I think I'm going to choose to trust Jesus Christ who's infallible. I'm going to trust the one who can say to a storm, peace be still. Amen. I'm going to trust the one that's the only one of an only kind because he's incapable of making mistakes or being wrong. I'm wrong sometimes. I've made plenty of mistakes sometimes. I have failed. I've not always been effective, but he's always effective and he's never failing. Why would I not trust in him? Amen. All right, praise the Lord. Verses 16 through 18, the last portion of the psalm speaks to us that God is incorruptible. This means not susceptible to corruption, especially to bribery, not subject to death or decay, everlasting. I love it in Revelation when it says, He which was and is and is to come, the Almighty. And he also says of himself, you know, I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. But speaking of Satan, says he was and is not. I love that. Like, praise God. Amen. You know, our bodies will die and decay, but our, amen, our born again, regenerated spirits, hallelujah, won't. And he's incorruptible. By the way, who doesn't praise the Lord? Verse 17 tells us the dead praise not the Lord. Now I know, I know, hermeneutically, apologetically, this is speaking of those literally who have died. Because the rest of the verse says, neither them that go down into silence. But if you'll allow me a little bit of latitude tonight, I want to go on record in saying that if you're not praising the Lord, it's because you're spiritually dead. Because only the dead praise not the Lord. But those who are alive, who've been filled with His life, will praise Him. And as you've heard me say a, a billion times, and I'm going to keep saying it, there's two times to praise God. Number one, when I feel like it. Number two, when I don't. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about Him. He's worthy. Regardless of how I feel, regardless of the day I've had, regardless, you know, it doesn't matter. He's worthy, Period. Amen? Hallelujah. I, I refuse to let my praise and worship be lackluster or half-hearted. God has been too good to me. Amen? By the way, your flesh, my flesh is corruptible. And if Jesus doesn't come back for another hundred years, most of us in this room will probably have tasted of death. But because we're born again, mm-mm-mm, because we have the nature of the last Adam. The Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised, here it is, incorruptible, and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption 
and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? I don't know about you, but I can't wait for the day when the last trumpet sounds and we're taken up out of here alive and remaining or dead in Christ either way. And either way, we're going to be changed into the incorruptible nature that already dwells within us. Hallelujah. By the way, that changing, let me, let me explain it for just a minute. Because Corinthians and Ephesians both talk about the Holy Ghost being a down payment. The earnest of our inheritance, it says, which means a down payment. Okay? How many of you ever bought a car, right? You made a down payment on a car, right? And then you make payments and, you know, people say, it's a nice car you got. Well, technically the bank owns that car, uh, um, but, you know, it'll be yours when you make that final payment, right? Okay. But you, you understand the process of a down payment. You make a payment here, <clears throat> make a payment there, and so on and so forth until eventually you own that thing. Mm. When you first receive the Holy Ghost, it's the earnest of your inheritance. It's a down payment. So that euphoric feeling, that, that wow feeling, whether you cry or shout, whether you leap or, or, or bow, uh, that, that moment of wow, this is awesome, right? That's the first down payment. Now, if you've lived for God for any length of time, five years, five months, five days, there's probably been one or two or three or 20 or 50 or 100 others of, of those moments. Surely not every service is like that. Surely not every prayer meeting. But there have been other times where you've experienced the presence of God, sometimes in a collective setting. Hopefully our youth are going to experience it at the Midwest Youth Convention. And, and maybe you'll experience it even tonight in your prayer closet at home. But, but how many of you could say you've had other moments like that? Those are more down payments. Those are more installments on that Holy Ghost. Now, when we are changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, it's the final payment. That's why we can say eternal life already dwells within us. That's why Paul could say to live is Christ, to die is gain. Hallelujah. It's a win-win. Hallelujah. So why can I lay claim to 1 Corinthians 15 where we just read? Why does it compel me to be steadfast, immovable, and always abound in the work of the Lord? Because Jesus Christ is incorruptible. He's not susceptible to corruption. He's not subject to death, decay. He's everlasting. And I will be with him as the same. Why? Because he became flesh. Because he became my sin. <laughs> he became us so that we could become him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You and I can become the righteousness of God in Him because He became us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just pause for a minute and thank the Lord? Can we just thank Him for who He is? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. 
Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Someone just texted me and said, after that first down payment, you have full use of what you're paying for. You take the car home with you. When you get the Holy Ghost, God gives you full power, and we are officially paid off when he comes back to bring us home. Amen. I love it. Praise God. Preaching with the preacher through technology. Hallelujah. <laughs> but it is true. It is true. And so that begs then this question. What are you doing with what God has given you? Amen. Psalm 115 <clears throat> renews and revives our faith, building our confidence to trust and fear the Lord, worshiping God in spirit and in truth and worshiping Him alone. The worship of lifeless idols and ideologies pale in comparison to the only one of an only kind. We're surrounded in our world, in our community even, by those who reject the Creator yet worship creation. Who take credit when things go well, but blame God, whom they really don't believe in, when things go wrong. This is a form of practical atheism. Over 60 million believers annually are persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. And the news seems to only get more bleak and more depressing. However, against this stark, bleak reality, Psalm 115 stands as a reminder that Almighty God is God alone. He's the only one of an only kind. He is He who sets up and takes down. He alone is everlasting and eternal. He alone is worthy of all the glory. Psalm 115 reminds us that while people create idols, they do so because they want to make a God in their own image. But also reminds us that we who trust and fear the Lord Realize we're made in His image and His likeness. Amen? Praise God. Shan, I forgot to tell you before, but can you get you or God alone and come up here and get me a, a key that I sing in? Hallelujah. We're going to close this out tonight. One of my favorite songs, declaring that God is God alone. Amen? He's all that I've preached and so much more. You've heard me many times say, I wish I could describe him to you. In part, that's a borrowed phrase from a preacher from the 70s that said that phrase in a, in a message describing God. But quite frankly, you could go on all night long and you still wouldn't exhaust the, the, the magnitude and majesty of who Jesus is. Because just when you think you've reached the end, you open a door and there's a whole lot more of who He is. Praise God. Is that my key? Let's hope, right? It's a key. <laughs> Amen.
You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is. You are God alone from before time began. You are on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, in the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You are God alone. Sing the chorus again. You are God alone from before time began. You are on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, in the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You are God alone. You're the only God whose power none can contend. You're the only God whose name and praise will never end. You're the only God who's worthy of everything we can give. You are God, and that's just the way it is. You are God alone from before time began. You are on your throne, and you are God alone. And right now, in the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You are God alone. Unchangeable, unshakable, unstoppable. That's what you are. Unchangeable, unshakable unstoppable that's what you are sing that with me again oh unchangeable unshakable unstoppable that's what you are unchangeable unshakable unstoppable that's what you are you are god alone from before time began you are on your throne you are god alone and right now in the good times and bad you are on your throne you are god alone I wonder all over this room and where you're watching online tonight, if you would just lift your hands and begin to thank God for who He is. What does He mean to you? 
Come on. I want you to think back to all the times God's blessed you, loved you, helped you, strengthened you, been there for you. Can you just begin to declare? Maybe you want to stand. Maybe you want to kneel. Maybe you want to move around for a moment and just say, God, I just want to pause here on these last few minutes and tell you how much you mean to me. You didn't have to save me, but you did. You picked me up when others left me alone, discarded. Oh God, you blessed me when I didn't deserve it. You, you forgave me when I couldn't do anything, Lord, to, to earn it. I praise you, God. I worship you, God. You've forgiven me when I've sinned against you. You've been there as my advocate, oh God, when I've failed. You've been there for me, God, when others have turned away. I love you. I praise you. You're God alone. You're wonderful. You're magnificent. You're all these things and so much more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I bless the wonder of who you are tonight, God. I glorify you, Lord. You are wonderful. You're a counselor. Hallelujah. You're mighty God. You're everlasting Father. You are the Prince of Peace. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. You know, we have something that the Old Testament saints longed for, sought for, and desired. By faith, through faith, and in faith, they pressed towards it. The Bible says they did not receive the promise. Something better being reserved. They wanted what we have. I don't ever want to take for granted what God has done for me and who He is to me. The other day I was thinking, maybe you have a life verse for you Mine is Micah 7 and 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. It came at a pivotal point in my life. I was struggling with a lot of things. I was a young person just facing a lot of realities that had it not been for God. I don't even know if I'd be alive, much less be here tonight. That verse has resonated with me down through the years. I've fallen many times. But you know, He's not one time failed me. And when I've come to Him in sincerity and in love, when I've come to Him in genuine confession and repentance, you know what He's done? He's picked me back up and He's loved me to the next level. Wow. I've, I've thought of a lot of things in this life. I've pursued a lot of things in this life that have never fulfilled me the way He has. I've got a degree sitting on my shelf. It, it, it doesn't mean, it pales in comparison to what God means to me. Praise God. Thank you, Lord unchangeable unshakable unstoppable that's what you are 
unchangeable, unshakable, unstoppable. That's what you are. You are God alone from before time began. You are on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, in the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You're God alone. Hallelujah. I wonder all over this room if we could stand to our feet, lift our hands, and surrender and submission to God and declare who He is right now. Lord, I speak healing over the body of Christ right now. I speak emotional healing right now. I take authority and dominion by the Word of the Lord in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak physical healing right now, God. I speak unity in place of division. I speak faith in place of fear. I speak life in place of death. In the name of Jesus, I speak Your name and Your Word over Your people, over the sheep of Your pasture. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I wonder if we could just take the next 60 seconds or so and just magnify Him for just a moment. Come on, can you just magnify the Lord and bless Him? Come on, He's worthy, He's worthy. God, I love you, I love you. Glory, glory. Glory! Hallelujah! Be exalted, O oh God. Be exalted, O oh God. Be lifted up, God. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You're glorious. You're magnificent. You're matchless. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, you're incorruptible, Lord. We bless you. You're infallible, Lord. We praise you. You're incomparable, Lord. We glorify you. You're invincible, God. We exalt you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And because He's all those things, because He's in us, and we're in Him. That means we're those things. I'm not saying we're gods. What I'm saying is because He dwells in us, we possess authority in His name. And just like I said on Sunday, we are that sanctuary where His dominion reigns. And everywhere we go, that dominion and authority goes with us. So I want you to go home tonight in that authority, in that dominion, knowing that the only one of an only kind not only became flesh so that you could become His righteousness, He then dwells in you and makes you His temple. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you in Jesus' name. Let's be the church in Jesus' name.